Do you know what time it is? It's that time again with Cindy Gern, who has the latest news about employment trends, current opportunities, and innovative strategies for managing a career on WERA 96.7 FM in Arlington, Virginia. Well, hello. This is Jim Thomas. Uh, I'm host of uh, the Secret Sauce segment of the uh, Workforce Show, and uh, I'm here today with my guest, uh, Ian Cook. Uh, Ian Cook is um, the principal, um, actually founder, of uh, Fulcrum, uh, and uh, we're going to talk about what Fulcrum is, but it's, um, he's, he's now, I guess, one would consider a serial entrepreneur and has been involved with his own um, consulting firm for um, quite a long time since, um, I want to say, 88, but I could be wrong. be 30 years next year. 30 years, and he's still, he's still standing upright, and it looks like he's uh, got most of his hair. So, so that's a good thing. Um, there, there are a lot of reasons why I bring uh, a variety of guests to uh, the radio audience to share uh, their backgrounds. And uh, my focus has been to uh, focus the show around the distinctive qualities, the secret sauce that's within within each of us. <clears throat> As most of you know, um, certainly the, um, the 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 guests are uh, have had interesting lives. Uh, they've had starts and stops on a variety of ventures, but for for all intents and purposes, they have been generally pretty successful in their careers and the journey that they've uh, followed for. For some some rather interesting reasons, which is why this show uh, came to be, and I'm I'm very pleased to be hosting it. Let me give you a little background about uh, Ian uh, that um, I want to share with you before we get into some of those those real tough questions that I usually ask. Which uh, <laughs> I only say that to uh, see if I can get uh, you know my my my. Um, my guest to, to get prepared. But uh, Ian uh, is a professional keynote speaker, facilitator, and executive coach based in Vienna, Virginia. Uh, his expertise uh, and passion uh, lie in helping mid to executive level managers lead effectively <clears throat> at the micro level. Um, and that's, that's sort of interesting, and, we'll, and we're going to get into that more in detail. Uh, he founded his company, Fulcrum Associates, uh, in Toronto, uh, we could say Toronto, Canada, because there are some state, there are some s- cities around the United States that are called Toronto, but Toronto, Canada, back in 1988, following 17 years with uh, Air Canada and Honeywell. Since then, he has worked uh, with thousands of managers from over 250 clients from the private sector, major trade and professional associations, small business, government, and nonprofit organizations. So he has a rather wide. Uh, view of management across a number of organizations, um, and I would say both um, domestically and internationally. So we're going to delve into his background a bit. He is a certified uh, speaking professional, um, uh, which is uh, the highest earned designation uh, confirmed by the National Speakers Association, which will make this um, next 25 minutes or so rather interesting because he's uh, got all kinds of great public speaking ability. So um, he will... um, obviously a great guest to have on the show today. Uh, He also has written a book uh, titled, Would They Call You Your, um, Call You Their Best Boss Ever? Question mark. 
and I think that we all can relate to that relative to having some of us having been managers. And if we if we um, question those who work for us, would they call us uh, their best boss ever, or would they say no? He was absolutely the best boss ever. Uh, so you know, we all have an opinion of our management style. We all have uh, an assumption about um, whether or not we're doing what. We need to be doing to lead people and manage people. Uh, I have a I'm challenged personally when when I hear the word boss because it's a term that uh, I never wanted to be called because the assumption is that um, you know you're the guy at the top with all the answers and you boss people. Um, I'd rather lead and manage people, and I think that that's the you know that's the softer side of uh, of how um, uh, Gen Xers and Millennials would la- rather be treated. But in the generation that uh, I came up with, there were more bosses than managers and leaders, probably. Um, so let's let's get into um, hearing from Ian. Ian, tell me first, and tell the audience uh, first a little about a little bit about your journey uh, relative to your background, uh, with uh, perhaps a little bit about um, Air Canada and Honeywell, and and what caused you to venture off on your own some almost thirty years ago. Yeah, well, I'll keep it really brief. As we were saying, we only have a short time. Uh, I I guess I've always been a bit uh, vision-driven. I I did my undergraduate in Montreal at McGill, and I wanted to uh, take uh, graduate at Cornell, and I went down in there and did that, and I always wanted to work for Air Canada and be in the airline industry. I can recall back in my McGill days, lying on the lower campus, it's a downtown campus, and leaning looking up and seeing the, uh, the, the the superstructure of Air Canada and up on the 40th floor was the Air Canada executive offices. I want to work there one day in human resources, although we called it personnel in those days. And so that was really the beginning of my, of my, uh, my, my joy about it. But uh, something happened to me. I, I don't think everybody is uh, unfortunately as lucky as I am, uh, but something happened to me in my second year at McGill. I was in a course called, you got it, personnel. Mm-hmm. That shows my age. You know, we don't use that word, let alone boss. We don't use that word anymore. It was a course on personnel, and I was way up in the nosebleed section of the huge amphitheater. It was at McGill. And the professor was talking about the issue in human resources or personnel about the demands of the company, the management, coming up against the needs and demands of the employees. And that point of intersection where they meet is where the juice is around human resources. It's where HR really works. And Jim, something happened to me. I think I was a bit foggy from the night before, but I stopped and I leaned forward and I just had this epiphany. That's where I want to work in my life. Whatever I do, I want to be working in that space between managers or management and the needs of the organization and the needs of the employee because it's always a place of churn and always will be. So did you see that as a potential consulting opportunity or do you see yourself getting into a company and trying to be that, that advocate? Well, initially it was getting into a company because I didn't really know anything else at that point. But I was very clear I wanted to devote my life to that space. Okay. And that has guided me all the way through from all the other uh, changes that have gone on. Did you see that as perhaps uh, a core reality that you you sort of um, uh, discovered at that point in time? Did you see it as being so purposeful that you had to get involved with uh, personnel? Yeah. Um, And and I would say to the audience, um, you know, and I and I speak a lot to my clients about uh, when they're especially those who I'm working with who are in transition, uh, looking to acquire their next job that I say, you know, once you determine your purpose in life, um, you won't necessarily have a job, you'll have a career. And that journey will take you 
through perhaps many different jobs by title, mm. but the core will be the same. And uh, I have found that in my own personal life and uh, personal professional life. And I have seen it with many others who have been successful at what they're doing because that core, if you if you are aligned with your core, that core is not meant to cause you um, um, the challenge of being uh, in a position of failing. It's meant to support and prop you up and keep you going on a journey that allows you to uh, do your best work and be the best you can be um, on a path where uh, everything about you, your core, is supporting supporting you to do that. Uh, so, um, you know, I, I applaud those like yourself who discovered early on, albeit in, in college or wherever, because quite frankly, there are many individuals who are still trying to understand what, what is my purpose? What really should I be doing? And that's a hard um, place to be if you're uh, a little older and you've been doing something called a job for some period of time, and now you're in transition and trying to determine what to do next. And so... Well, one of the things about having that core, and I agree with you entirely, is it, it keeps you on, I won't say the straight and narrow, but it keeps you focused because opportunities come along, problems come along, you can get fired from your job. Sure. But if you know what your core is, it, you'll keep going back to roughly it. It'll mm -hmm. keep you on a path. Uh, so absolutely. Now, I didn't figure out my core. I didn't rationalize it. I just, it came, it hit me. Mm. And, uh, and interestingly, you talk about transition. I'm coming to the end of my work life, my with quotation marks, and now looking at that question of purpose again, it no longer necessarily will be that one that's guided me for 30 years. Sure, Or sure. 40, actually, now. So it's a, what's it all about now, Alfie? You know? Well, well, I, 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 suspect, <clears throat> I suspect you have a, a number of uh, really good years left to uh, contribute so. in some way. <laughs> um, and um, as an example, when in my fledgling time as an entrepreneur that started about 11 years ago, I, I was at that, that, um, you know, that crossroads between do I pursue another corporate position or do I do something else? And so I'm doing something else, but still the, the core purpose of what I'm about is, is still the same. And I suspect as you move into or transition from your firm, uh, Fulcrum Associates, to something else, that something else may be giving back, uh, whether it's um, um, in a not-for-profit organization, volunteering. Uh, I suspect the core will still be the same. You know, you'll be providing individuals with some level of advice and counsel. Uh, there are all kinds of opportunities on boards and advisory yeah. boards to do things I think, I think that uh, right. could be awesome. That's probably uh, where it's going to happen. And, 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 but, <laughs> but the core yeah. purpose will probably be the same because there are mm -hmm. things that will come to you that won't align. It's all about alignment and awareness of the power of alignment, especially as it relates to your life. And you'll align with what, um, you know, that will come to you that aligns with what you want to do and what you've done most of your life. Um, so I, I think that that's, that's going to be pretty aw awesome. Tell me about uh, your involvement with uh, Gestalt and how that's impacted uh. your life. And more importantly, you, you, um, you wrote some things that you sent to me um, relative to the development uh, that years uh, over the years and, um, um, and how you became somewhat better at um, sitting in the fire. 
Uh, yeah. I, please explain that to me because yeah. <laughs> I don't see sitting in the fire is a comfortable place to be. Well, well it's not. <laughs> <laughs> so how does that? Well, uh, how's that um, sort of fit into your life and in your practice and, and your and your firm? Well, one line of business I've had for thirty years mm-hmm. is facilitation, team building facilitation, and uh, you if you if you work with a group of individuals in a team of some kind, you're usually dealing with some of the power issues. But it's there's emotion in there, and there's mm-hmm. anger, and there's frustration, and there's all kinds of competition. Uh, and working with it, that's going to come out. And what I was finding as I was facilitating was when the, my client groups would get angry, I got uncomfortable. Mm. So I'd do whatever I could as an outside facilitator to shut it down or cover it up. And I looked at myself in the mirror one day. I said, you know, this is not serving my clients. I'm just keeping my anxiety level low. <laughs> mm-hmm. yes. And that's not my job. Sure. You know, my, sure. is to help that come up and help them work with it in a safe way right. as possible. Right. So mm-hmm. I went and I pursued the, the field of gestalt, which is all mm-hmm. about your feelings in the present, which right. has not been a strong suit for me. Mm over the years, and I took a three-year program, intensive program in Toronto, and it's helped me since then work with teams in, in, a, in a, an emotional situation. So I could sit in the fire. Sometimes they'll turn it on you as a facilitator and you make you the enemy. Well, that's you got to hang in there. It's interesting you say that because some years ago during the, um, the, the years of when I was working in the automotive industry and the years of quality and, and – um, looking at total quality management of things we were doing back um, many years ago. Uh, there was, and, and I was a facilitator in, in many, many sessions, I, I recall those times where um, the audience would tend, those participants would tend to, and I'm not sure it was a diversion, but they would turn and, and somewhat attack. Years later, I realized through studying and what fast forward we're still doing today in regard to emotional intelligence and how we can, we can control our emotions or we can again, externalize it and have someone else control and influence our emotions and how powerful that is. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and I would share with you that uh, in, in um, the Fairfax County area, that's becoming um, a major topic for students now where they are actually bringing in uh, facilitators and experts to teach and, and talk with students uh, at the high school level mm-hmm. about emotional intelligence. Um, because the more control you are and aware you are of your emotions and how they affect your ability to uh, be productive, whether it's being a good student, a good citizen, a good friend, a good spouse, on and on and on, has a bearing on the quality of your life. And in a facilitation perspective, there's so many, as you deep dive into the material, there's so many opportunities to become emotional on various levels. I don't agree with this. I do agree with it. How is that going to affect my job? I don't want to be here. And it's your fault because you're the facilitator. <laughs> so yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm going to vent on you. And and then therefore, I'm relieved. That's right. Um, and so uh, being a facilitator, um, you can be a sponge or you can be a rock mm-hmm. where though you deflect those things. You protect yourself and your emotions uh, and you're still able to facilitate a, a, a level where you're getting the material across. But whatever you do, however you be a sponge or a rock, when you're working with a group as a facilitator, you're part of that group. You're in the no room. Doubt. You're no part doubt. of the dynamic. No doubt. And they'll, they'll look to you as, as well. I think your point about emotional intelligence is really critical. Mm-hmm. Uh, they're often saying now that, that uh, 
technical knowledge is almost like the price of admission into a job. The ones who get ahead are the ones who, who are have that ability to, to, as you said, understand yourself. So self-awareness is real. I learned that in Gestalt. It was all about being aware what's going on in Ian right now at yeah. this very moment exactly. and being able to work, make choices about how I'm going to show up around that. Uh, so that ability also in the leader to know how they're coming across, how they're perceived, and be comfortable getting feedback they don't like, facing situations they don't like. Well, who likes that? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> to make me feel yeah, good. Yeah. Tell me about what I want to <laughs> well, hear about yeah, myself. Right, I'm yeah. a good guy. But that's, that's critical. And, <laughs> yeah. so, and mm-hmm. so often we get into the technical world, and I, as a students, we're trying to learn our technical field. But early on, if we can get, as you say, into mm-hmm. that uh, understanding myself, what makes me tick, mm-hmm. and learning my, uh, my emotional control and when I get angry, what pushes my buttons, those are the kind of awarenesses that later on, as you go on, will make you a great leader. You know, it's interesting. I can still recall my first week working at Ford Motor Company in what was then industrial relations. <laughs> uh, and I was a member of ASPA more before SHRM, uh, which are acronyms for the Professional Organization for Human Resource Professionals. But um, the vice president of human resources came to my office. I was sitting doing whatever I was doing to learn the job. And he said, Jim, you have a minute? And I said, sure. He says, let me tell you something about how you can really be successful in being in human or in industrial relations or personnel. He said, when you come in in the morning, take your emotions and put them in that drawer and close it. And then the day, open it up, take your emotions out and go home. And, and I didn't really understand the total wisdom of that because this predated in, <laughs> emotional intelligence, uh, probably gestalt to some degree, but really... It was the potentially the best advice I got because it caused me to be very objective, <clears throat> not aloof, not aloof, but objective about the position, knowing where I was with regard to the job, knowing where I was with regard to the to personnel and employees and the company and keeping all in its appropriate buckets <clears throat> versus getting emotionally attached to all of the issues of the day, which in personnel, let's forward it to human resources is 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 out there it's almost like a, you know a, a fresh a, a fresh sore or scab on your skin it's always there and you can be pulled into it well i'd like to take a bit of a different angle on that and push back a little bit mm-hmm. if you want sure. it um i don't believe you can take your emotions and put them in a drawer when you walk into the office and i'm not sure that's what your boss meant not totally but he didn't i'm sure if we asked him but the whole idea is your emotions go with you wherever you are mm-hmm. they're there you can't put them aside it's about that emotional intelligence to be able to understand how they're driving you and how you can work, use them to your advantage. But they don't, you can't leave them in the car in the morning or on the, on the metro. Yeah. <laughs> I, I can tell you that um, uh, fast forward uh, three years into my career in human resources, I was um, thrust into a fledgling position in labor relations. And within six months, we were negotiating our plant contract <clears throat> with a bunch of very hostile members of the union. Uh, and I can tell you that uh, having control of my emotions saved the day in more than one, one more than one occasion when, when the uh, plant um, union uh, chairman was telling me how I was such a dirty, rotten scoundrel, which were not exactly his words. I'm, <laughs> I'm paraphrasing nicely um, and, and not really getting upset about it because I knew it was sort of uh, an act and, and you know, I wasn't going to get you know, pulled into the act in regards to affecting more important decisions that we had to make. Um, and um, 
and and I was I was recognized for my ability to be cool, calm, and collected under the circumstances. When you know, sort of that little wheel was turning very quickly, uh, but but not noticeably. But I think that as I look back and as I look forward, regard to where you've been in your career, where you're going, um, perhaps after a, a long, successful career with your own company, tell me about some of, if you could, some of the um, highlights of your 30 years that where you feel that you've really made a difference, not necessarily at one company, but from maybe a core perspective regard to um, uh, motivating managers um, f- in a core sort of perspective relative to what you've done sure, sure. consulting uh, for the years that you've done. Interesting. That. As an aside, as, as I was on my way over here, I was remembering how in about my early 20s. I I wanted to be a motivational speaker. I Mm. hardly knew what that was. I (laughs) want to get up and motivate people. Well, I'm not a motivational speaker, Mm. but I think in the work I've done over the years, it does that. Uh, One one sector I've worked with a lot over the years is in Canada, actually, because some of my clients are still in Canada. And it's the uh, uh, frontline supervisors level in uh, municipalities, public works and transport, the people that work the roads, you know, and and repair the culverts and all that. And I've done a couple of programs for about the last 15 years there. And it's it's really neat working with these people because they're they're not terribly educated or terribly savvy, but they're pretty genuine folks. And with a two or three or four day program, being able to teaching them about motivation, challenging them what their motivations are, why they like work, and getting them to see their people in a different way. Over the course, you can see the pennies drop. By that, I mean they have an insight. And I get people at the end coming up. Not all of them, but some will come up and say, you know, this course has really helped me. I'm going to go back and do some things differently. And I'm confident enough to get to believe that some of them actually do. So it's that idea of legacy. You never get to see what it is, but you can know if people go out there, somehow you've helped to give them, them some tools to change their life. And that's really rewarding when I see the penny drop. And, that's, and I think that's very powerful because sometimes in our lives – we, we don't have the opportunity to see the pennies drop, as you call it, but you have to assume, and perhaps rightfully so, that every penny that you see dr- uh, drop is an opportunity for what you've imparted and given to go viral. Um, whether it's a conversation at the dinner table at home or whether it's uh, that individual getting back to their, uh, their, their, their peers at the workplace and saying, guess what I learned, guess what I was given, something that I think we all can utilize. And all of a sudden you have... Uh, you you have all of these advocates and individuals who are passing on uh, knowledge that has a direct bearing on productivity, on work, on um, the opportunity to be uh, more productive uh, and perhaps individually more successful based on the seed that you've planted. It's incremental, isn't it? Absolutely. So if Absolutely. I, um, I do a little bit and then if somebody goes back to work and a year later their boss says something wise like your boss did and that links up with something I said and then they go and hear a speaker or read a book and then the penny drops four years later. Absolutely. But if you hadn't put that first seed in, it would not have happened. And I think that's, yeah. so, that's why it's so important uh, for those who are um, questioning uh, what's the next direction I could take because I'm not working now. Uh, I've been out of work for a while. And I've always said to individuals, I said, you know, sometimes in life, we're given these timeouts so that we can redirect our lives um, along a purposeful journey or path that better supports our ability to be more successful and to enjoy life more. I've had many friends who've retired 
and spent the last five or 10 years in major corporations hating the job, last job they had, but didn't leave because they had golden handcuffs and things would change relative to benefits had they left early. And having not had that opportunity, um, spending about um, nine years at one company, nine and a half at another, never getting to the 10 or 15 or 20 years, um, I've never looked back and said, boy, I wish I had spent that 30 years in a company because it's allowed me the opportunity to really have a very um, rewarding and diverse experience. Well, in those timeout periods, something I learned from a, f- a colleague of mine, mm-hmm. and I think it would help for people working inside too, because it certainly helped me. He drew an X, and one, one, one part of the X was your passion. What do you love? What do you care about? What's that purpose we talked about? The other part of the arm of the X was what are you good at? What do you have expertise in? Mm-hmm. And then I had a third one. Is there a market for it? <laughs> and he there said you, you work in that area. So for someone inside an organization, in a company, it's what do I love? What am I good at? And what value is there a demand for the value that I bring? And if you can get those three together, where those meet, there's, you, in the long run, you're going to have success. And I think at the crossroads of all three of those is lies our purpose. Yeah. Lies that place where we can be, um, can, where we can holistically enjoy a career and more importantly, enjoy our lives. Where work becomes uh, fun, work is not defined as work. It's, it's an experience that you're constantly learning and contributing to in a way that, that fulfills you. And um, this has been a fulfilling uh, time with you today. And there's uh, quite a lot more we can go into. But one of the things I would like to say, and that is that while I haven't known you for a terribly long time, um, I would say that uh, I wish you well on your next journey, because I don't think it's over relative to how you contribute. It just will be in a different form. Uh, maybe you'll sleep in more for another half an hour in the morning or whatever. But the reality is, is I think you have still a lot more to contribute and pass on and provide relative advice and counsel for many who I'm sure are listening to the show and say, boy, I wish I had the opportunity to spend a half an hour or an hour with that guy. And I think that to some form that, that very well may happen. But, um, As the show winds down, uh, again, I'd like to say to our audience, this is Jim Thomas, host of uh, The Secret Sauce Show. I'm very pleased that uh, my guest, uh, Ian Cook, was here, so thank you for coming, Ian. It's been a pleasure. Uh, And this is WERA 96.7 FM, Arlington. And um, again, the Workforce Show is um, um, closing down, and thank you for your time and, and, and attention to our show today, and we'll see you the next time. Thank you for tuning in to The Workforce Show. This interview and others can be found at WERA.FM or at CareerCentralOnline.com. Thank you for listening. Until the next time.